Welcome back to Trucker Talk. This is your host Ryan, and I want to thank you guys for coming on by today and listening to the topics we're going to discuss. Uh, for today, we're going to go over the uh, crash that happened here in Colorado off of the I-70 a few months back. Uh, I'm sure quite a few of you remember that, but it's had some unforeseen consequences that uh, we're going to dive into, one of which has recently started popping up in the news sources I follow for trucking, and I believe it should demand a lot of attention from the trucking industry, as it can completely change the way we work. So, with that in mind, uh, for those of you who aren't aware of the crash that happened off of I-70 in Colorado, um, a young man by the name of, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce it, Raul Larazzo Aguilera Medoros, 23-year-old man from Cuba, uh, who was an immigrant, came over here and was driving a tractor trailer down the mountains, and according to him, he lost his brakes while going down the mountains. Now, I don't know exactly what went through his mind, as you can easily find videos online of this young man going right past several runaway truck ramps, and instead decided the best place to put his rig was the rear end of a bunch of cars, causing four deaths and six severe injuries, along with multiple other injuries that weren't efficient enough to to uh, cause charges to be uh, mandated against him for them. So we're going to go through his charges real quickly, followed up with his bail uh, amount that was set and exactly what people are saying about this. Uh, so to give you a quick idea of just the amount of charges this man is looking at, he's looking at four counts of vehicular homicide by reckless driving, six first-degree assaults, and 24 attempted first-degree assaults, all of which are felonies. And just roughly knowing that the average felony has about a five-year uh, tail to it, so five years in prison, he's easily looking at a life sentence just if they give him five years for every count he has. And I do believe a quite, a, quite a few of those have uh, higher options available so they can give him more than five years. So he's easily looking at spending the rest of his life in prison and being only 23 years old. Yeah, there goes the rest of this kid's life. Um, as I said earlier, that he is not from America. He is originally from Cuba, which has caused quite a stir with people uh, suggesting he was illegal, that he shouldn't have been here, etc., 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 political stuff that we don't really get into in this podcast but needless to say he is a legal immigrant all his paperwork is in order and the man has the right to be here he is a u.s citizen by all means the fact that he's from cuba for some reason everyone has felt the need to uh throw out there so i'll give you that piece of information that way you don't stumble across it later and come back and be like oh well can't listen to this guy anymore he lies to us well I didn't. The guy was originally from Cuba, but he now resides in Texas. But due to the amount of bail and the amount of charges he has against him, he is currently residing in an undisclosed location in Colorado until he can be sentenced. Due to his, and I hope you're ready for it, 
$400,000 bond, which he posted last month of in June. Uh, he has been able to return out to the populace, but resi resides here somewhere in Colorado instead of returning home to Texas. Uh, the main reason he's not allowed to leave the state is because the prosecutors are trying to weave a story that this young man attempted to flee the scene of the accident afterwards, which I don't exactly understand how they are going to prove that he attempted to flee, but apparently they phrased it well enough that the judge saw fit to go ahead and tell this young man, you can't go home, you have to stay here in Colorado until you are sentenced. And this should be a bit troubling to um, everyone here in trucking. The fact that this young man is being charged with not, you know, four counts of vehicular manslaughter and six accounts of assault. Those are justifiable. I, I agree. You know, he killed four people and six people were injured. He deserves charges to that effect. What I don't quite understand is 24 degree, 24 attempted first degree assaults. Why? Just with the six degree, the six, the six first degree assaults and the four counts of vehicular homicide by reckless driving, you've ruined his life. There's no need for this other 24 attempted first degree assaults. And how can you prove that he had? the intent to do harm, which is the entire premise behind uh, attempted first, uh, attempted anything, attempted first degree murder, attempted first degree assault, attempted robbery, anything with attempt, you have to prove he had the intent to cause harm. And if anything, I don't believe this man went through the mountains thinking, I'm going to hurt somebody today. I'm going to kill someone. He never had the intent of hurting anyone. Probably not well trained, probably wasn't told what to do, and, and most likely had a panic attack of some sort where he lost all thinking and didn't put two and two together and realize, hey, lost my brakes, what's a runaway truck ramp for but to use for runaway trucks, which I now qualify for. He wasn't thinking clearly. So I don't believe any of the tw of these uh, 24 attempted first-degree assaults will stick. Now, I'm not a law expert, but in my personal opinion, I don't believe they should. The four counts of vehicular homicide and the six first-degree assaults, I believe they will stick to him. For the simple fact, four people are dead. Someone's got to pay for that. Six people received severe injuries, were laid up in the hospital. I believe a few still are in the hospital, so someone has to pay for that and deal with the consequences, which in this case is him. But if they're able to trace this back to his company and say the reason that this all happened was because he had a faulty truck, which is what his defense is going for, then this young man shouldn't receive as harsh a punishment as he will. And I'll let me elaborate on that. If he's being given a faulty truck that has brake issues, that they his company is aware has issues with their brakes, and they're still telling him, go drive this, he shouldn't be hung out to dry, but he will be. And that's what is concerning for the trucking industry. We are the scapegoats for the companies. If you honestly believe that your mega carrier, even your small mom and pop, is going to put their neck on the line for you, you are very mistaken. You have to look after yourself because they won't. They don't care if you go to jail for the next 200 years as long as it doesn't affect their CSA score 
and doesn't put them out of business. Which if his if the company that was uh, what this young man drove for, if they are still in business after this, I'll be very very surprised. I I honestly wouldn't be surprised to hear that they went out of business or declared bankruptcy as soon as the uh, charges are finished being filed against him and he is. Uh, proven guilty or innocent. If he's proven guilty, I would expect them to declare bankruptcy either that day or the following day as to avoid any possible lawsuits for uh, their role in the accident. But with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick intermission. When we come back, we will look into some other uh, consequences that have come from this young man being involved in this accident and then we're also on top of that going to look at a individual who has a personal vendetta against the trucking industry and is using this horrific accident and a loss of life to further his own goals and his own ambitions Uh, all that and more coming up next on trucker talk Welcome back to Trucker Talk. All right, now that we're back from that quick little intermission there, let's go ahead and hop right into Senate Bill 2033, which is not really new. Um, It's more trying to speed up some other uh, laws and proposals. They're not really laws right yet, but they're proposals that have been kind of sitting on the back burner since uh, President Bush. And what this law is, it is uh, written by Johnny Iskon of Georgia, a senator out of Georgia, and Chris Coons, another senator. And uh, they're estimating that this will save about 214 lives a year. Now, that sounds all well and good, but uh, as a truck driver, that kind of is interesting to kind of see where uh, where they get those figures from if they're trying to say that all that 214 people every year are killed by a speeding semi. Um, So let's go ahead and let's look into this a little bit. What this law is asking is for all commercial motor vehicles um, to be equipped and forced to use a 65 mile per hour speed limiter, meaning that's the fastest you can go. Whether you are a company driver, owner operator, or lease operator, whatever you happen to be, you will be limited to 65 miles per hour tops. Now, right off the bat, I can tell you some issues with that. 65 miles per hour is well below most speed limits in states. Most states' speed limits are now up to at least 70, 75, and in some states, 80. So you're telling me you want a semi going 15 miles per hour slower than the rest of traffic. I can guarantee you that's going to cause more traffic jams, which is going to result in more accidents. Whether or not they're semis, they will result in more accidents. And your 214 lives you think you're going to save in a year, you will more than likely at least hit 214 more lives lost. Then, So every life you're trying to save, you're going to still lose because you're going to cause more accidents because semis can't move. We can't get anywhere. And on top of that, with the way the industry is right now, with us being paid per mile, we're not going to make any money. 
especially the owner-operators who don't have detention, don't have layover, don't have any of that to kind of cushion them that is a driver at a halfway decent company has. Then on top of that, Ethan, you have the electronic log devices going into effect as of today, July 1st, which is going to result in even more um, racing against the clock where drivers are going to want to go as fast as they can. So if you can hit 68 going down a hill, you're going to because you're trying to push out that extra mile or two to make that extra dollar, literally. So there, right there is your major flaw. If you want to change our speed to make it so we can only work at 65 miles per hour, you're going to need to, one, change the way that freight is paid and get rid of these ridiculous low rates of 800 miles paying 200 bucks. That ain't going to work anymore, especially if we're going to have to run at 65, okay? Next, you're going to have to tell these companies to actually pay their drivers an hourly rate, which... I can guarantee you a lot of them are not wanting to do because the average rate they would have to pay to match what we make at per mile at 65 is about $22 an hour. Okay, so at $22 an hour working 70 hours, you know, they're easily looking at paying their drivers. Well, let's just round it down to 20. Let's say they pay 20. Okay. You're looking at, mm, top of my head, and math isn't my strong suit. Uh, let's see. 50,000. Mm, let's just say $1,200 a week average if they pay their drivers twenty thousand. Uh, sorry, $20 an hour working 70 hours a week. But if you're paying hourly, you also have to pay for any overtime. And overtime is stated by law to be at a... Anything over 40 hours. So, you're looking at 30 hours of overtime a week you got to pay drivers, which at $20 an hour bumps them up to 30. So, that's another $1,000 roughly. So, now you're looking at drivers making $2,200 a week as a company driver. That's not bad for us, not good for companies, and not good with the way the freight is priced right now. That's not going to work. And that's what they don't understand is if you you change the way that truck drivers are paid and if you raise our rates, then we're going to have to raise our rates to to haul product to make money, which is going to in turn cause the buyers... The and the shippers, the receivers, and then your customers, the people who purchase the product at the end of it all, are going to have to pay more. And they're all going to bitch and moan about it. We already know what's going to happen there. Okay? So, right there, those are my big concerns. If you can pass, you know, Senate Bill uh, 2033, it better come with a guarantee to truck drivers that the way we're going to be paid is going to change... And you're also going to need to guarantee the consumers that it isn't going to jack the price of everything they buy way up. Okay, so if you got to pay $20 an hour to the guy who's driving to haul your milk, well, now the dairy has to charge more for their milk so they can afford to pay the guy to drive it to the grocery store. That's just the way it works, and no one's going to want to do that. That's the issue. Next, moving on from that... We have the 
uh, nonprofit that is sponsoring this bill. And I want to make it very clear: I have no ill will to them. No, you know, I don't dislike them. I like a lot of points they make. I like a lot of the uh, stuff they're trying to bring to the table. It's just they aren't the most educated on this topic. They're, they, it all comes back to the people that don't drive trucks or trying to make rules for truck drivers. And that doesn't work. You have to have actually been a truck driver, understand what we go through out here, understand the stress we're under and the pressure to be able to effectively write laws for us. So to have a group such as this sponsoring a bill that the whole premise of this group was founded on a loved one was killed by a semi, which is tragic. Okay, don't don't take it as me trying to downplay why they were founded. But this group is founded on the principle that someone was killed by a truck, so truckers have to pay. Truckers have to something about truck driving has to change. Okay, which is understandable, but then it kind of makes you question their motives. Is this a revenge scheme against truck drivers? Are they out to get us? Who are they to? tell us how unsafe we are where i can guarantee you if people knew how to drive their cars around a semi you would see the accidents involving semis plummet because at least at least just throwing a number out from the top of my head at least 45 to 50 percent of the accidents that semis are involved in could have been avoided if the vehicles around them knew how to drive around a semi and realize that hey I can't exactly go and cut a, cut three feet in front of a semi and slam my brakes and expect them to stop like a car could. Doesn't work. We'll stop, but we'll stop a mile down the road dragging your beaten, bloody corpse in your car in our tandems behind us. So by saying that the truck driver has to change be, to avoid that situation isn't going to happen. And that's the whole premise of this group. From everything I've seen on their website, I haven't seen any mention of any of them having a CDL, any mention of any of them having any over-the-road experience, any experience at all with semis, except for the fact they had a loved one killed by a commercial motor vehicle in a horrible, horrible accident. Now, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys some information about this group and show you why I like them. I like their goals. I like their mission statement. I just don't like them trying to get involved with the actual law-making process. They don't need to be there. Truck drivers should have a say in how laws are written for us. It all comes back to being, you know, whole taxation without representation. We're not being represented, and we're the ones being told what to do and having to live with these laws. We're the, they're not going to have to go out and get in their personal vehicle and drive 65 miles per hour down the road. Their paycheck isn't going to be affected by it. Ours is. So with that being said, uh, we're going to take one last quick uh, break while I go ahead and make sure I have everything written down about these guys because I don't want to misrepresent them and what they do want to, to accomplish. And I'll also give you the name, their contact information, and you can reach out to them, get the information. If you like them like I do, you can go ahead and join up with them and give them a truck driver's input so that they actually have someone to come to and say, hey, 
we're thinking about helping Congress by proposing this law to affect truck drivers. You're an actual truck driver. Do you think this would work? That'd be nice to have. As of right now, I can't find anything on their website saying they have that. And if they have that and someone from there or a driver ambassador from there listens to this podcast and can contact me and show me where that information is available, I'll happily come back and correct myself. But till then, this is what I have. So let's go ahead, hop into this quick break, and I will catch you guys right after that. Welcome back. All right, let's hop right into this. So now we're going to be discussing the group Road Safe America. It was founded back in 2002 um, by a gentleman who seems to be the face of the organization, Steve Owings. Um, They founded this organization after his son was killed in an accident with a semi on his way home back to, sorry, on his way to college from home after Thanksgiving uh, break. His son was in his personal vehicle, stuck at a, uh, stuck in traffic and was rear-ended by a semi going eight miles per hour over the posted speed limit with it set on cruise control. So if speed limit is 50, the guy had it set at 58 and he rear-ended and killed uh, Mr. Owings' son. Um, and since then, Mr. Owings and his uh, counterpart have gone ahead and founded Road Safe America. And after looking at their board of advisories and everything, I can see tell you right now a lot of the people on there are our family. So it makes me wonder exactly how involved they are with the trucking business. Um, but we've already covered that in the last uh, section. We're going to go ahead and kind of cover why I think they are a good organization, um, why I support them uh, as an organization, as a nonprofit out there educating people. Uh, but again, I restate that I don't believe they have any business in writing legislation for truck drivers. Um, here's some of the points they make that I actually agree with. Uh, they're wanting to change the way that truck drivers are paid. And they've wanted to do this prior to Senate Bill 208, uh, sorry, 2033. Um, they wanted to do this before then. Okay, So they want to change the way that truck drivers are paid so that they are paid per hour at a rate that is um, appropriate for all the work they do plus all the training truck drivers have to go through, plus the conditions they deal with. They also want truck drivers to be able to be paid overtime. They also want truck drivers to be paid regardless of what you're doing. So any on-duty or any drive time, they want you paid for um, until you go into sleep. So they pretty much want you paid from the moment you wake up to the minute you go to bed um, throughout your workday, which I agree with. I want to be paid from the minute I get up and then start this truck uh, during my pre-trip to the minute I shut it down and do my post-trip. I would like to be paid for all of that, uh, regardless of how many miles I do. So they got my support there. Next, they want to increase the training required of new drivers. They want all the drivers to have adequate training. They want they don't like CR England's one week and you're out on the road. They think that's dangerous, which I agree. That's not enough training. Having gone through that, I can tell you it's not enough training. I needed far more than that. I got lucky, had a very good trainer who pretty much for the four weeks I was on his truck redid all my training. I learned so much more on his truck than I ever learned in the classroom. But 
just like they they do, I believe that newer drivers should have far more time in an enclosed driving area training and learning how to handle these machines before they're introduced to the general public driving these vehicles because these vehicles are dangerous. Okay. Next, they want all drivers tested for sleep apnea as part of your DOT medical uh, exam. I understand why they are uh, pushing for this. Don't really agree with it uh, fully. Uh, They got my support about 50-50 on this. Uh, for the simple reason that it depends on how what what sort of sleep apnea. Okay, if it's a functional sleep apnea where this driver they have it but they don't really have it, it can be put either way. And there's medication and such out there to help them with this, so it doesn't affect their driving ability. They should still be able to get their CDL and work. Now, if they actually have full blown sleep apnea, they can't sleep. It's dangerous for them to be on the road and not get enough sleep to be on the road, or they require a lot of machinery to sleep on the road. Then, yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be part of the uh, part of this. But I don't believe it should be mandated by DOT. Um, I believe maybe state or even company wide. I know night transportation does sleep apnea testing. If you want to get hired on with them, it's part of what they do. Um, so kind of got my support there, kind of don't. Um, they also want to go ahead and they want to up the minimum insurance that a semi covers. Kind of agree again, kind of don't, mainly because of the cost it's going to cause for the owner of the vehicle, especially owner ops. For now, if it's for a mega carrier, like again, night. I'm okay with it. Raise their insurance rate. They got plenty of trucks out here. They they need the insurance rate hiked. But for this owner operator or the mom and pop that only got two, three trucks, they don't need an insurance hike. They can, they're barely skating by on the uh, paying the insurance they have. So yes and no again for me there. Uh, next, and this is the one that I completely say no with, uh, with when it comes to them, is change the speed so that trucks cannot go faster than 65 miles per hour. I believe that is dangerous. I believe that it will cause more accidents um, than it will prevent. Um, so that's a, a quick look into, uh, Mr. Steve Owings and road uh, road safe America. Um, I do support them. Um, I'm going to look into actually becoming a driver adversary, uh, advisor, not adversary <laughs> advisor for them. Um, and you know, kind of talking to them and fully understanding kind of what their principles are if they have anyone with any cdl experience that they know what they're talking about here um and i'll definitely bring that all back to you guys after i'm done talking to them and looking more into uh what exactly they know because from what i could find on their website they don't provide much in the forms of um showing exactly how uh what's the word i'm looking for they, they don't do anything on their website that says, hey, look at us. We know what we're talking about. You know, no one on there's got like a PhD in CDL science kind of thing. You know, no one on there screams, hey, I know what I'm talking about. Okay. They don't have anything on there. They, they don't mention anywhere on there that anyone on their board of advisors, any of their employees, any of the owners, co-founders, whatever you want to call them. Nothing on there says they have any experience with semis other than that one tragic event that caused their founding. That that's the only thing they've said that they have when it comes to semis. That's it. You know, and for them to only have that and then go and try to write laws, I don't believe that's good enough. Um, there are plenty of people that 
unfortunately have loved ones that have been killed by motors motor vehicles but at the same time there's plenty of people that have family members that have been killed by normal car accidents um i don't believe those people have as have any right going and writing laws for cars as much as this this group has writing laws for truck drivers um unless they can show me that they have people with the understanding and the knowledge base to do so I'll take it back. But till then, until I find that information or they give me that information, um, I will stand by what I say. Um, so if any of you guys have any contact with anyone in that organization who has that information, who can call me up and be like, hey, Ryan, look, here we got so-and-so. Uh, he had a CDL for 25 years, and he, he this is his contact information. Talk to him. All right, cool. I'll come back on here and I'll tell you guys about it and be like, hey, look, I talked to the Road Safe America. They got people with actual CDLs running this place. They know what they're talking about. They are credible. We should all go sign up with them. Um, main, the main reason I plan on signing up with these guys and getting involved is, one, so that they have someone who has a CDL on their team talking with them, working with them, spreading this this uh, this uh, thought process uh, and also because I support most of what they are trying to accomplish. I support drivers being paid hourly with overtime and being paid for all our time. I support um, new drivers receiving far more training than what they currently do. I support um, higher insurance requirements for mega carriers. Not so much for smaller companies, but for mega carriers, yes, I support that. I also support testing for sleep apnea, but I don't really support it being done by DOT. So on uh, the, let's see, the five points they make, I support them on eh, 75% of it, maybe. Uh, maybe even just 65 but it's still more than 50 so that for me is good enough to go ahead and try to help these guys out and try to be involved and if it turns out to be a waste of my time i'll gladly let you guys know and you can all learn from me and stay away from them and they can be just as much of a joke as the american trucker association which is nothing more than the mega carriers all getting together to try to pad their pockets which is probably, if uh, Road to Safe America is what they should say they are, it's probably their biggest adversary when it comes to legislation. They're trying to get laws that make sense for truckers, and the American Trucking Association is trying to prevent uh, those said laws so that they don't have to pay more for their drivers. So with that being said, guys, I want to thank you all for tuning in for this podcast. Um, it's been awesome watching how much we've grown and seeing the people that hop on and listen to this as soon as I post it. It's so crazy to me that people actually want to listen to me talk about this stuff. Um, but I thank you each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart for giving me this opportunity. Um, make sure you guys keep the rubber side down, the shiny side up. And I will catch you on the back call. Thank you and have a great day.